Last year we had a hiatus, but I want to go back to Yonah. Yonah, to me, is the uh, most important moment of Yom HaKippurit. The message of Yonah is of great significance. Uh, unfortunately, we say Yonah at that time of the day, so a lot of people don't have the stamina to pay attention. But I would like to advise you that if you could work it out, pay attention. The second thing I want to say is that there's a mystery to Yonah. There are things written in the book which we find difficult to understand. I want to look at two of them, two of these difficult psukim. Yonah Perik Dalet, both of these difficult psukim are there. I'll read it and try to translate. If I don't translate it so well, just forgive me. Don't correct me. Vayera el Yona ra'agdallah Yona was despondent. He was angry. He was angry at what happened. What had happened? He went to Nidveh. And he told the people in Nidveh Either they repent, or the world, their world is going to come to an end. The unlikely result of that was that the people repented. I mean, they didn't know Yoha. They had no particular connection to the God that Yona represented. And yet, and yet these non-Jews in Nineveh all accepted Yonah's prediction and repented. And that's why Yonah was angry. And if you want to know why exactly he was angry, he actually explains it. When he says, He says, I knew this was going to happen. And that's why I ran away, remember Parak Aleph. Yonah ran away from God's directive. Something that seems absolutely foolhardy to us. I mean, I think if God spoke to anybody sitting in this room, he or she would probably stay put. I mean, it's like a great thing. Yonah, God speaks to Yonah, and Yonah runs. Where are you going to run? How do you run away from God? So Yonah now says, I knew this was going to happen. And therefore, I ran away. I know that you are a merciful God. You, God, are a merciful God. And you're willing to reconsider the punishment, the evil, the bad. So I knew this was going to happen. I would go to Nineveh. I would tell them what I told them. And somehow God would appease them and allow them to do tshuva, to repent and accept this. So far, it sounds like Yonah is complaining about the fact that he was successful. He was sent in order to do this. He did it. He was successful. So what's he complaining about? 
Not only is he complaining, but in Pasuk Gimel, Yonah says, Ata Hashem, Kachna et nafshi mimeni kitov moti mechayai. Probably sends there, you know, like a, know, like a knight in shining armor, and he says, this is the worst mess I've ever made. Take my life. He says to God, take my life. I don't deserve to live. But what did Yonah think he was, was supposed to happen? If God sent it to Dinveh to tell the people to reconsider, then one of the possibilities is that they would reconsider. But what is it that Yonah is so unhappy about? A Yonah Hashem, listen to this one. This is really, don't ever do this to anybody. Do you really feel badly, Yonah? You think, like you say, you think now you feel better. Wait till bed. Wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow you're really going to feel badly. So Yonah went out of the city and he built himself a sukkah. Now a sukkah, a sukkah probably is a, like four posts held and holding up a schach. And so underneath the sukkah, there's shade. So if you work in the fields and you build yourself a sukkah, so that gives you a little shade. But we also know that there's a holiday coming up shortly called Sukkot. Some of us who are nervous about it have already built our Sukkot, believe it or not. I mean, actually, I just sat there and my a couple of sons-in-law and uh, grandsons built my Sukkot and they argued that they don't need an old guy in the way. So what should I do? Disagree. I didn't. I sat down. I did something else before I knew there was the sukkah was built. So I guess the young people know a thing or two about building sukkot. But even though the sukkah of Yonah could have been a sukkah without walls, it's what is that going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That man has an idea, you know, like, I'll drink some water so everybody will feel good. <laughs> ah, excellent. Excellent. Lachlomen. <laughs> Real water. <laughs> so, nevertheless, we, so we reading the Pasuk, we could not be faulted if we thought of a sukkah of the kind of sukkot that we make, which are sukkot with walls. So for the sake of our discussion, we'll say a possible, although not perhaps the most likely, but certainly a pshat that occurs to us, Jewish people about to do the mitzvah of sukkah, that what Yonah built was a sukkah. And he said under the sukkah, he said, 
and the sukkah there was shade, and the shade was good. So Yonah felt at this time that there was still a chance for him. Chance for him means that the city, that the city would be destroyed. And that the tshuva, the repentance, would not be accepted. That's what Yonah wants. So he's sitting outside of the city. He knows that God has accepted the repentance and is going to allow them to live. But he's still hoping that maybe the whole thing will change. So you could argue that Yonah is really a bad guy. I mean, not only not only is he successful in getting him to do tshuva, which he doesn't like. But he stands around afterwards and he hopes that God will reconsider and that people will be punished. So, the first thing I want to mention is that Jonah says, Jonah says here in, uh, in Pasuk Bet, he says, Ki adati, I know, I knew, that God is a merciful God. Now who said, who said that God is a merciful God? God said it, that's true. And Moshe, God told it to Moshe. But let's just look to make sure that we all agree. When God created the world, the first pasuk, if you look at the next section, just keep going down. The next, the first pasuk says, "Breshit and you know that in that pasuk, the name of God that is used is Elokim, and the other name of God that is often used in Breshit is Yud Kevavke. Okay, Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. That's how we read it. So there are two names of God. God created the world. He was Elokim, and Rashi says, Rashi, you see the Rashi." It doesn't say in the first pasuk, "Bereshit bara It does not say that. In the beginning, God Elokim equals Din. Din is what is Din? Din is justice. What is justice? Divine justice. It's emet. It's perfect. As opposed to human justice, which is sometimes imperfect, as you might have heard on the news today, <laughs> sometime or other. So human justice is imperfect. Don't always get it right. But divine justice is perfect. And therefore, if you did anything wrong, you can't go to God and say, oh, come on. Give me another chance. Right, that's the problem of Yom HaDin. That Din, before God, everything is open. Everything is known. So Rashi says, Rashi says, When God created the world, He created it with Elohim, which is Din, which is Emet. Everything is the way it should be. But then God realized, I mean, it's hard to, you know, these, all these anthropomorphisms. I repeat them, but I refuse to be classified as an idolater as a result. So it's all make-believe, right? 
So God, this is what Rashi says, that God saw, understood, that the world can't exist because if everybody's going to be judged honestly and fairly, then everybody is going to be destroyed, which is what happened at the time of the of the flood. So later on in the parish, we find that mercy precedes din, which is emet, justice, right? This is the pasuk that is in the next section. You see that pasuk? It says, Eilat toldot ha-shamayim ba'aretz behi bar'am. The Torah sort of starts over again. In Perik Bet Pasuk Dalet, it says, "These is the these are the generations of the heavens and the earth." Biyom asot Hashem elukim eretz v'shamayim. Right? Just a second. It's interesting. No, no one ever calls me. <laughs> Which is why I don't turn my phone off. <laughs> I have a new great thing you know, people call me from blocked phone numbers you know it says blocked never answer ever it always works <laughs> so look the Pasuk says, the heavens and earth were created by Hashem Elohim. What is that? So what does Hashem Elohim mean according to Rashi? What is Hashem Elohim? It means justice modified by mercy. Right? There's justice and there's din. But there's mercy that beats it out. Okay? Now if you look in Shemot Berg Lamed Ben, skip the next uh, the thing from... Uh, from Sakhaya for a minute. It says, Vahimi Mocharat, Vayoma Moshela, Matem Khatatem, Khataagidolava, Ta Elela Shem, Ulay Khafra, Ad Khatatem. So Moshe Avena said, Look, the, the situation is dire. You built the golden calf, and God is a little annoyed about that. Nevertheless, as Rav Nachman Abras uh, taught, he said, Moshe Rabbein, he didn't know anything else. He didn't know that. He didn't understand things. But his inclination was always to try to defend Am Yisrael. So even though he says, God is determined that you're going to get punished, he also says, I'm going to go try to defend you. Now, because that's what, that, that's a, a, a definition of leadership. That it has no limits. Even, even in the face of the most impossible kind of construction the, 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 the leader continues to lead his people he doesn't give up you know in the secular world they have all these kinds of things like the captain goes down with the ship and the generals are supposed to get shot in the fields or something like that but usually it doesn't happen that way usually the generals and the captains are all in Venezuela or something you know <laughs> You know, like, like you say, we're all the people who used to run Syria. So they're in every country in the world except for Syria. 
they're not there anymore. So that's what that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Vayashev Moshe El Hashem Vayom Anachata Amazechata Gdola Vayesulem Eloheizav. So Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Hakadosh Baruch and he says, "Look, I admit it. I admit everything. I'm not arguing about the case. They did it. They built the Eidel Azav. Ata Im Tisachatata Vim Ayi Mecheni Na Misifur Hashakatavla." So, so Moshe Rabbeinu says, if you're willing to bear this sin, meaning, if you're willing to accept Am Yisrael as they are, they're, they're, they're not perfect. They do things wrong. Okay. If not, erase me from your book. This is like a kind of a mystery. What, what, what's the offer? What is Moshe Rabbeinu saying that Kaddish Baruch will erase me from the book? So I'll tell you something that Rav Nachman of Bratzlov said, which I liked when I first learned it 72 years ago. I still like it. He said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, if B'nai Yisrael are not able to receive the Torah without doing such a terrible thing, there must be something wrong with the leadership meaning me. It's my fault. It's my fault. You imagine if, if every teacher in the world would have this attitude, everything would be a lot better. But the teachers, they all say, it's not my fault. It's the parents' fault. Right? That's the position of the teachers. But Moshe Rabbeinu said, if they are not forgiven, it must be my fault. And therefore, he said, in order to improve the state of Am Yisrael, erase me from the Torah. Because it must, what's wrong with me? <coughs> what's wrong with Moshe Rabbein? He must be, uh, full, uh, he must lack humility. He must lack the humility necessary to lead the people. So Moshe Rabbein says, well, why would I lack humility? And the answer is that on Har Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Torah, and in the Torah it says, Vayom Hashem al-Moshe le-mor, Vayom Hashem al-Moshe le-mor. It says again and again that God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. So if God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu again and again, it must be that, it must be that, that his lack of humility comes from that. That's where it comes from. That's what it says in the Pasuk. Um Pasuk Lamid Gimel, Vayoma Hashem al Moshe, Miyashekhatali, and Khanomisifri. Why should I punish you? I'll punish them. They're the ones who built the golden calf. You didn't build the golden calf, but Lech the Nachayata Am El Hashem di Barti Lach Hine Malachi Lecha Fanecha Uviyom Paktiu Fakadati Alayem Khatatam. So what does that mean? See those words? There's a hour. It's for us. V'yom pakdi upakadati alehem chatatam which means that God says to Moshe Rabbeinu okay I won't punish them but I won't forgive them either. V'yom pakdi and when I note them when I note B'nai Yisrael when I say something to them or think about them I will also and I have to punish them I will also punish them a little bit for the Chet Ha'egel. 
so that we see that the Chanun Verachum, that the mercy, and this is reading the Psukim, that the mercy that God exhibited for B'nai Yisrael at that time was not full atonement. It wasn't like it was wiped out. There was nothing left. But it was rather, it was rather a temporary stay of execution. And instead of being executed now, B'nai Yisrael would pay the price throughout history. Every time they would be punished, they'd be punished a little bit more. We'll be on Pokdi, but I take note of the Nei Yisrael that I punish them. And I will remember the Cheta Egel, the, 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 the sin of the golden calf, and I would add a little bit onto that, to that punishment. So we see. Okay. We see. What do we see? That this idea of rachamim, the fact that God treats the world with mercy, doesn't mean that there are no punishments. It doesn't mean that no one pays the price. But it means rather, it means rather that if you transgress, you may end up paying the price of that transgression forever. So if we look back at Yonah, Yoda says, Kiyadati. Uh, you see Pasuk Bet? The beginning, the top of the page. Kiyadati. Kiyataka Khadun Rahum Erhapai Rab Chesed Bet. Minichamal Hara. So how does Yoda know that God is merciful? Well, because he went to Khaida. He went to Khaida, and the Khaida they taught him. And then they taught him So they taught him that. And then they taught him about the Chetayga. And what happened to the Jews? That he was merciful. God was a merciful God. But merciful meant Hashem Elohim. It didn't mean that mercy took the place of din. It was rather that the punishment was meted out in a merciful manner. And what was the greatest transgression of all? The Chetayga. The Chetayga. Filling the golden calf. Was in fact the greatest transgression, transgression of all. And the punishment for the golden calf kept on being meted out through history. Although, Hashem Racham V'chanam. Hashem Racham V'chanam, there is mercy. Right? The punishment doesn't come all at once. B'nai Yisrael are not destroyed. But they suffer. They suffer throughout history. So now what, what is it? What is it that Yonah is saying? He's saying, look, the people of Nineveh don't have the baggage of the Egel Hazahav. And therefore the mercy that God will exhibit in putting off the punishment for the people of Nineveh will necessarily be greater than the punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives B'nai Yisrael. The punishment of B'nai Yisrael, the mercy, I'm sorry, the mercy to Nineveh is greater than the mercy to B'nai Yisrael because the, <coughs> the transgression of B'nai Yisrael is greater. The transgression is greater. There's no comparison. 
I mean, what did Ninveh, the people in Ninveh do? They were just stupid. They didn't follow God exactly. But what can we blame them for? And we know that, they, that at the time of their repentance, they repented together with the animals. And they were forgiven together with the animals. So if the animals are in the deal, so how bad could it be? How, how, how much of a major transgression could it be? So the first thing I want to say is that Ninveh, that, that Yonah was worried that the Rachel V'chanon, that the mercy that God expresses in the world will be greater for the people of Ninveh than it will be for the, for the Jewish people themselves. And therefore he was worried that he didn't, have a, he didn't really have a message. He didn't have anything to say to B'nai Yisrael. Because, because if Ninveh got the better deal, then B'nai Yisrael might go into some kind of depression and refuse to do tshuva. So that's the first thing that I wanted to explain. The second thing that I want to explain is the matter of the sukkah. Yonah goes out hoping that his argument will somehow uh, be accepted. Siyoto goes out and he builds himself a sukkah and we agreed that the sukkah could be could have a top and have walls just like a halachic sukkah has a top and walls I mean, there's no reason you could have a sukkah with walls even in you know in the time of Yonah even today you know when the the labor is out the field if you go up take a trip up north and you'll see that whoever's involved in harvesting they have to they build these sukkot in the middle of in the middle of the field so they'll have a place to rest. So most of the sukkah don't have walls, but you can have sukkah with walls. And it's just that it takes more time to build. So in any event, in any event, he built this sukkah. He built this sukkah. And then, Pasuk Vavayiman, Hashem Elokim Kikayon. So God planted a kikayon. I don't know what a kikayon is. I, I was never interested in realia. I come from Brooklyn. There's no realia in Brooklyn. Nothing ever planted in Brooklyn grew. So what, what do I care about what kind? It was this kind of tree. It was that kind of tree. But it was a tree. And you could sit under the tree. Right? Now you know that there's a difference between a tree and a sukkah. Because a sukkah has walls. And a tree does not have walls. It just has shade. Arbor. Right? It makes shade. But it doesn't have a wall. You can't go in and hide. Everybody sees you sitting under the tree. So God said, enough with the sukkah. A little strange. Sukkah sounds like something halachic. Enough of the sukkah. You go sit under the kikayon. Yonah went out into the kikayon. Apparently he loved it. I mean, I don't know why. He had a sukkah. It wasn't like he was plotting from heat. He had a sukkah. So God said, look, here's a kikayon. Yonah said, oh, great, let's go and sit under the kikayon. And then, by Yaman Elohim to Lot, Ba'alot HaShachar LeMocharat, Atachat HaKikayon Va'yivash. So then God killed the kikayon. I know what happens when you kill a kikayon, but I guess it... It died and it crumbled. It didn't crumble, it still made shade. Right? We don't want it to make shade anymore. So he did in the God did in the Kikayon. Unfair uh, battle. Then it says, 
by he on the pasuk chet by he kizroch Hashemesh by Yemana Lokim ruach kadim charishit by Tar Hashemesh al Roshiona by Yitalek by Shalat Nafshalamut by Yom Etov Motim Echayai. So anyway, Yom is suffered from the fact that the Kikayon disappeared. There's a lot of sun, a lot of heat, a lot of no. So everybody says quietly, ask the question, how come Yonah didn't go back into his sukkah? Wasn't the sukkah still there? It doesn't say any place that the sukkah was destroyed. There was a sukkah. How come Yonah didn't go back? No, he's sitting there under this kikayon. The kikayon shrivels up and wastes away, and then he's being bombarded by the rays of the sun. Right? That's the story. So why didn't he go to the sukkah? Question, answer, I got a clue. <laughs> but he says, he starts complaining. So I complain again to God, I'd rather be dead than be alive. You really feel badly about this kikayon? He said, yeah, I feel like I want to die. Okay, so that's the story. The end of the story is the end of the story. Now just look at the Pesach in Zechariah. You see the third, the third, the fourth thing on the page. Pesach in Zechariah. All the goyim are going to come to Yerushalayim. When are they going to come to Yerushalayim? After the milchama of Gogu What's the milchama of Gogu Magu? It's just like Ahmed in the John. I don't know. I'll give you, you check the letters and you see they're probably all the same. There'll be a big war. There'll be a big war. And we're going to win. That's good, right? You better have a big war and losing. <laughs> Uh, losing is never good. Winning is pretty bad also, but at least uh, you can do something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so the, all, the, all the Goyim are going to come to you. This is what the Navi Zechariah says. Ba'lu midei shana v'shana l'shtachavot v'melech Hashem tzivakot v'lachov v'chag ha-sukot There you have it. Navi Zechariah. He says that on Sukkot, every year, all the nations of the world are going to come to Yerushalayim to pay Homage to Hashem. <coughs> There's no better place to do that. You have the Beit Hamikdash. You have the 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 the, the, the Kodesh and Kodesh Kodashim. They come up. They stand there and say, "Oh yes, God, great. God is great. God, great." So, so they all come. When did they come? According to the Navi, Why do they come on Sukkot? By Yasha Loya Levi eight, Mishpechot Aaretz Al Yerushalayim Mishtachavot Melech Hashem Zvaot Olaolehem Yehagashem VeMishpagat Mitzrayim Loya. So the Navi talks about those who are coming, those who are not coming. But somehow this idea that there's an international aspect to the holiday of Sukkot appears here in Zechariah also appears in the Gemara in Sukkot Dachnun Hayom and Bet the Gemara says you know why they sacrifice 70 parim on Sukkot like every day you know this descending order starts with 13 and 12 11 right, on Sukkot Keneged the 70 nations of the world I don't know if there are 70 nations of the world I don't know exactly there are more than that the United Nations right all right, yeah, it's a problem that people like to solve problems like that. 
but I, I don't mind that. 70 is like an idea. 70 is a big number. 70 nations of the world, a lot of nations. Those 70 nations, those 70 nations are coming on Sukkot to pay homage to the Kodesh, but they're coming to become Jewish. They don't want to do the mitzvot, but they're willing to pay homage to a Kodesh That's the idea of Sukkot. So if I reread the Psukim in Yonah again, if I reread the Psukim in Yonah, Yonah had a problem. Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum, Echanon, God is merciful. How could it be that God is more merciful to the non-Jews than for the Jews? Because the Jews carry around the Chet eagle with them wherever they go. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, so Yonah goes out, he figured he said something of great importance, he goes out and builds a sukkah. What is a sukkah that has walls? It keeps you out. It's a sukkah has an in and an out. And that's what Yonah wanted. He wanted a clear differentiation between his people, the Jewish people, and the rest of the world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, how much nicer it is to have a kikayon. You know what a kikayon is? A kikayon is something that anybody you can't say. You sit under a tree. You can't say to the next person, hey, it's my tree. I mean, you could say it. But it doesn't make sense. Anybody can sit under the tree. All kinds of people can sit. They don't have to be celebrating Sukkot to sit under a tree. But I would imagine that most people who are not Jewish, seeing the Jewish running, all the Jews running around sitting in Sukkot, they would not be so forthcoming in, uh, in uh, saying, uh, I want to sit in your Sukkot also. Even the Gemara says something about that as well. So, Yonah said, I want a Sukkot. I want the differentiation between Am Yisrael and the nations of the world to be clearly enunciated in history. I don't want the people of Nineveh to get the full force of the Rachel B'chanun where the Jewish people have to carry around with them the Chaita Ego and will never be able to get that full force. And therefore he built a Sukkah, a Sukkah that had walls. And a Sukkah that had walls keeps people out. There are the people who are in and the people who are out and we all know about that. We'll know about that. How do we do it? How do we do it? We built shuls. Imagine that. We built shuls. And every shul has two purposes. To bring some people in and to keep some people out. That's how it is here. That's how it is. I, I saw, I saw uh, you know, when I grew up, when we were, when, well, no one here is as old as I am. So when I grew up, when I grew up, it was normal. It was absolutely normal to go to a Jewish school that had different kinds of Jewish kids in it. I mean, different kids who had different uh, 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 principles about mitzvot and about ideas, about this. You come to Israel, everybody says the education in Israel is no good. Don't worry. The education in America and England is also no good. But, but the difference is, the difference is that outside of Israel, it's easier to learn to appreciate people. Because you meet them. In Israel, everybody, every kid in school, every boy kid is wearing the same kind of jeans. They all go to the same store. They buy the same pair of jeans, every single one of them. 
and they're all wearing the same kind of little yarmulke, which today is held on your head precariously by two massive clips. And this is seen as a, as a, as a badge of, uh, of a value or worth or something. I don't know. I'm saying this true with the Haredim. The Haredim, or you go to Haredi school or to a, to a cheder, everybody looks exactly the same. And, and if, you, if you want to go to that school and you don't look exactly the same, you won't get accepted. It's like remarkable. There's no value. There's no value to this idea that there are people that God created that might be interesting to meet with, to talk to, to uh, fight with, to do things with. Uh, nothing, zero. I find it. I find it remarkable. And that, it's true that that the Lumi world is true, the Haredi world is true, true to every, every place. I was in Malegil Boa for Rosh Hashanah, right? You know, there's such a place. It's like nowhere. <laughs> and you want to go nowhere? It is a small country. You know, I was hard to find nowhere in Israel. You go to Malegil Boa, you're nowhere. <laughs> Mamish. So I, uh, I said to the Rosh Hashanah, I said, the Rosh Hashanah is a very nice man. But where's one, a regular kind of yarmulke? But 102% of the kids in the yeshiva all wear these kind of little bob-top yarmulkes as though they all were stamped out of some kind of a store. Like they went and they got this yarmulke and they, they all look the same. I said, how come everyone looks the same? He says he didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so Yonah wanted the world of inside and outside. That's what he wanted. And HaKadosh Baruch says to him, HaKadosh Baruch says to him, there's also the world of the Kikayon. And when Yonah lost the Kikayon, he didn't go back to the Sukkah. Because the Kikayon, the Kikayon was better. The Kikayon was better, not because the shade was better. It's the same shade. The Kikayon was better because the idea of the Kikayon was better. Now before you leave, I will also read. But before you leave, I want to read a few lines of the Bnei Yisosma. Bnei Yisosma was a Chassidic Rebbe, a Talmud of the Chosim of Lublin, Tzvi Melech of Dino. Very, uh, very prolific author. His name was Tzvi Melech. His book is called Bnei Yisosma because the Chose told him that he was from the tribe of Yisosma. Yeah, I guess he believed it. <laughs> or, uh, or anyway, it doesn't matter. Look what he says. We still have this problem, whether you know, with the Goyim and the Jews. So the day Sochel says this: Kevan Shabbat Leklal Zevisod Asuka Shehu Bechinat Or Makif. He says the Suka is when you completely surround. You know the Anane Akavo. They completely surround you with God's presence. It's a great Gemara. If you want to learn one, like if you skip the Dafyomi one day, learn Avodah Zorah, Dafyomi, Avodah Zorah, before Sukkot. 
So it says, he says, he says that the Gemara says, um, he says, Shatina Karish Bokhul and Asot et Agoyim be mitzvot sukkah. That the Goyim are going to come and they're going to say, they're going to come and say, look, we don't have any mitzvot. If you give us mitzvot, we'd also do them very well. We'd be like Am Yisrael. We'd be, uh, we'd be overachievers in mitzvot. So then Kodesh Bochu would make a very hot day and the heat will uh, uh, oppress all the people who are sitting in the sukkah, including the, the Goyim. And all of the Goyim will kick the sukkah and they will and they will leave. Vikshuba Gemara. So the Gemara they ask. Bofikazay Yisrael Dami Patu. He says, what, is, what, what does the Gemara mean? If it's terribly hot in your sukkah, so what are you going to do? You're going to leave your sukkah and go into your house, right, where it's nicely air conditioned. That's what you're going to do. But it's mutter. Because you, you don't just sit in a sukkah and, and oppress yourself. That's not the idea. The idea is to have a nice time in the sukkah. So, so they, they said, how can you say this about the Goyim? What kind of tana, tana is it? The Jews are the same thing. He says, Yisrael nami patu, ki mitzta'em patu min sukkah. We know that principle. Somebody who, who is uh, uh, very unhappy about being in the sukkah is patu min sukkah. Umishani Yisrael bo'ute mi babayit. He says everybody would kick their way out of the sukkah. Ki zeh. So the Yisrael says that the, what the Gemara means is that the Yisrael want to do the mitzvah even if they are exempt from doing the mitzvah. <coughs> so you see, Yonah had to learn that there was a, a kind of an interfaith moment connected to the sukkah and that everybody could sit under the kikayon everybody could sit under the kikayon but only Yonah only Yonah was distressed when the kikayon was taken away it wasn't because of the shade it was because he couldn't do the mitzvah under the Kikayon, which was welcoming to all the nations of the world. And the Bidei Sosfar says, the Bidei tells us, that at the end of the day, that's what Yonah had to learn, that there was a difference. It's true that the Rachamim for the Goyim was perhaps more universal because the Jews carried around the Cheta Egel with them. But at the end of the day, only the, the Jews can do a mitzvah with uh, a full heart with everything they've got and uh, the stories about, uh, about Am Yisrael during the Holocaust in the camps about Jews keeping mitzvot by their, by their, their, their toenails those stories are well known and I'm sure that you've heard that 
so that the nature of Am Yisrael wins out at the end. Even though it's true that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Rachel V'chanum, that carries around the memory of the Chet Egel, nevertheless the devotion of Am Yisrael to the mitzvot wins out. And it's on the level of devotion that the distinction between the Jews doing the mitzvot and the Goyim doing the mitzvot, the difference between the sukkah and the, <coughs> and the pikayon becomes clear. I wish you all uh, well over the fast, is what they say, right? Well over the fast, which means something. <laughs> I mean, like you should be better if you finish fasting than you are before you start fasting or something like that. So I wish you all the best. It was an honor for me to give this year tonight, and I thank you. And uh, be well. <laughs>